Ah, yes. Welcome to another edition of MLB Morning Coffee. My name is Greg Mraz, your host. Appreciate you tuning in. As always, it is a Tuesday morning, a beautiful day here at the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco. A couple of housekeeping items. Number one, write a review, leave a rating, subscribe. We've gotten our ratings up. We've gotten our reviews up. We've actually made it into Chartable. What is Chartable, you might ask? Well, it's a service that ranks the podcast based on category, and it does it the top 200 for each category, and we have finally made it into the top 200 of the baseball category. We've made it to 186. I know that we can continue to go up from there. I know that with a bigger following and a few more listeners, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dogs, tell your postal workers, tell everybody that you know about this podcast if they're a baseball fan. Obviously, we don't want them listening if they're not a baseball fan, but if they are a baseball fan, please have them tune in. We would love to hear from them. You can email the show, greg.maraz at yahoo.com. Yes, I'm giving out my personal email address. No, I don't care. I want to hear your interactions. My emails are always open. Heck, if I can get 15 emails a day from Target telling me I can save $25 on something that I don't need, then you 1,000% can send me an email if you're a listener for the first time. If you want to tweet me, you can do so at Greg D. Mraz. My DMs are open. I'm always on Twitter like any millennial Although I don't actually think I fit into the millennial category. I'm 27. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Whether I do or not, I don't care. I'm still always on Twitter. Yes, it's addicting. I know. But you can send me a tweet as well. We've got a great slate of shows scheduled for this week. Tomorrow, Ian Jabot, reliever for the Texas Rangers, is going to join us. He came up through the Tampa Bay Rays organization. On Thursday, we are going to have the son of Mariners general manager Jerry Depoto. Jonah DePoto is going to join us. He's a prospect in the Royals system. He's got a nasty slider and a big personality, so I hope that you are going to be able to tune in to that episode. So, because we don't have a top 10 list today and we don't have a coffee conversation, there must be a reason why we're doing this episode, and it's because of MLB's third trial balloon in terms of restarting the season. This one leaked to Bob Nightingale of USA Today. So, let's recap the first two. Number one, obtained by Matt Spiegel of 670 The Score in Chicago. The 100-game season starting on July 1st and having a neutral site playoffs and World Series. That was trial balloon number one, which I liked the 100-game plan given it was safe to do so, but I did not like the neutral site playoffs and especially did not want to have the World Series at Dodger Stadium no matter what the cause. Trial balloon number two was the Arizona plan, which was the plan leaked to Jeff Passan of ESPN that was going to have every game played in Arizona, whether it be at the Diamondback Stadium, at the spring training facilities, or at college fields in the area such as Grand Canyon University and Arizona State. This third trial balloon is the Grapefruit and Cactus League plan, which is essentially... They are going to realign both leagues. So there's not going to be an American League. There's not going to be a National League. There are going to be two leagues that are based on who trains in Florida and Arizona. So let's read you the report from Bob Nightingale. We'll read this verbatim. Quote, Major League Baseball, assessing myriad proposals, has discussed a radical plan that would eliminate the traditional American and National Leagues for 2020, a high-ranking official told USA Today Sports, and realign all six divisions for an abbreviated season. The official spoke on the condition of anonymity because the proposal is one of several being discussed. So let's pause there for a second. 
The reason why we're not done with this is that we could have another plan that comes out. And basically what Major League Baseball is doing is that they're leaking these ideas to nationally relevant baseball reporters, having them put it out there and seeing what the reaction will be. Now, the reaction was really poor to the Arizona plan. The reaction was kind of silent for the 100-game plan, but I think that's less feasible now given the track of COVID-19 and where we're expecting the virus and its spread at that point. So the reaction to this, and this story's a couple of days old at this point, the reaction is not that bad, so I think that it might be positive right now. So let's continue. The plan would have all 30 teams returning to their spring training sites in Florida and Arizona, playing regular season games only in those two states and without fans in an effort to reduce travel and minimize risks in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. The divisions would be realigned based on the geography of their spring training homes. The plan would allow teams to return to the comforts of their spring training sites for three weeks of training, which would also include exhibition games before opening the regular season and playing a schedule with wholly different divisional opponents. So they've already put together three divisions in each of these makeshift leagues. So it's all going to be by geography in the Grapefruit League in Florida and the Cactus League in Arizona. Now, geography is a bigger issue in Florida than it is in Arizona because in Florida, the spring training sites are spread all throughout the state. In Arizona, everything is basically just based around suburban Phoenix, no matter what way you go. So here are the divisions for each of the teams in each of the two leagues. So how similar could you get it to an actual American and National League? So let's look at the divisions. In the Grapefruit League, you have the North Division, which consists of the Yankees, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, the Tigers, and the Pirates. So in that division, you've got two teams from the AL East, one team from the AL Central, one team from the NL East, and one team from the NL Central. In the South Division, you've got the Red Sox, the Twins, the Braves, the Rays, and the Orioles. So you've got the Red Sox, Rays, and Orioles in the AL East. You've got the Twins in the AL Central, and you've got the Braves in the NL East. In the East Division, you've got the Nationals, the Astros, the Mets, the Cardinals, and the Marlins. So you've got three teams in the NL East, one team in the NL Central, and one team in the AL West, which is a little bit odd. The Astros have always trained in Florida. They're the only team in any of the Western divisions that is not in Arizona. So you've got the entire AL East. You've got the entire NL East. You've got two of the three teams, or rather two of the five teams in the NL Central, and then you've got that one lone team in the AL West, the Astros. So realistically for the Eastern teams, it's doable. It's not going to feel the same, but you still feel like you're playing the same opponent a lot of the time, especially in the South and the East divisions where you've got the NL East with three of the five teams and the AL East with three of the five teams. So let's go to the Cactus League, the Northeast Division is going to be the Cubs, the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the A's. So you've got three teams from the NL West, one team from the NL Central, and one team from the AL West. In the West Division, you've got the Dodgers, the Reds, the Indians, the Angels, and the White Sox. This is the most spread out division. You've got the NL West, the Dodgers, the AL Central, two teams, the White Sox and the Indians, the Reds in the NL Central, and the Angels in the AL West. Now we move to the final division, the Northwest Division, which has the Mariners, the Padres, the Rangers, the Royals, and the Brewers. 
So you've got two teams in the AL West, one team in the NL West, one team in the NL Central, and one team in the AL Central. So that division also spread apart. But for the most part, you've got a lot of the teams in the West and a lot of teams in the Central Divisions that are all going to be playing against each other. So it seems still pretty realistic that you could have a lot of divisional rivalries remain, which I think is the most important thing amongst all of this. The report also has a quote from Tony La Russa, who is the senior baseball advisor for the Angels. La Russa says, quote, When you're trying to get really creative, why say no now? So you have a unique season. I've got no problem with that. I'm not sure we'll be able to play in our own cities across the country. So if you split it up like that, it's a possibility. So here are a couple of things that Nightingale also outlines in regards to this plan. The Cactus League provides more flexibility given all of the teams are within an hour's drive of each other. Also with Florida, with teams spread throughout the state, it presents a bigger challenge if players, officials, and support staff would need to be quarantined, which has not been determined yet. You also have several advantages to this plan, which would allow teams to establish home bases in the facilities that they are familiar with. There would be 26 ballparks available to be used, including three major league locations, St. Petersburg with the Rays, Marlins Park in Miami with the Marlins, and Chase Field in Phoenix with the Diamondbacks. So, you also could have 12 games apiece against divisional opponents and six games against the other teams in the state. So, you'd effectively be able to play around 80-ish games. I didn't do the math on that, and per the report, the DH would be universally implemented, so every league would be a DH league for this year, which I don't necessarily mind. I think that when you're bringing players back off of short rest and you're trying to get them back into game shape, if the pitchers don't hit for this year, I think that that's okay. I think you're just trying to prevent injury. Now, I actually like this plan at the onset because I think that it solves a couple of problems. Number one, The teams need the revenue from the TV rights deals, and I think that that's really important. And you might be saying, well, Greg, why are you siding with the teams in terms of generating revenue? Well, as somebody who works in sports and relies on TV revenue to pay his salary, there are a lot of people that work in sports that need the TV revenue to pay their salary because let's just cut to the chase. There are not going to be games with fans in Major League Baseball this year if baseball happens. That's just not going to happen. They basically are outlining these plans because they know that the situation with coronavirus is not going to get to the point where they can have fans in stands this year. I don't think you can have fans at sporting events until you know there's a proven vaccine for COVID-19 because you can get this again. This is not like the measles or chicken pox where if you get it once, you're immune to getting it again. If you get this, you have a chance of getting it again. There are reports out of Wuhan that you can get it again. There are people that have recovered from a first case of coronavirus and have been infected for a second time. So that is extremely problematic in terms of deciding when you're going to bring people back into stands. So... Basically, what you have to do is find whatever plan is necessary to, number one, make the revenues that you can make, and number two, be able to keep everybody in a controlled environment. Now, the Arizona plan had 30 teams in one state. 
I think that's too many people. I think that you've got too many temporary situations and too many variables to where something could go wrong. You've got a lot of teams trying to jam into basically 13, maybe 15 facilities and play a hodgepodge schedule under some really blistering conditions during the summertime. And I don't think that that's going to work. But the problem that you run into now, and I think that for the teams that are based in the Cactus League, having a 15-team Cactus League is going to be fine. I think that that could work. And I think that if you're able to play games at Chase Field, if you have maybe two games a day at Chase Field, that's going to really do wonders for television rights partners. It's a lot easier to set up broadcast equipment there. It's a lot easier to call a game there. If baseball is the only sport back, you know the national networks like ESPN and Fox are going to be bidding for those national games. They could have nationally televised baseball every single day, and the national revenue is going to be a lot greater than the regional network revenue. So that could prove to be a win for the franchises who are struggling to make their books in some areas. Now, franchises right now, relatively speaking, are flush with money, but they rely on a pretty grand scale of an operation in order to generate the type of revenue that keeps them functioning, that keeps them able to pay their players and pay their employees. So if they're not getting the same type of revenue stream, especially from season tickets, day of game tickets, parking, concessions, game day merchandise, etc., etc., I could keep going on, then you're losing a big portion of what makes the entire rest of the franchise operate. That's how you pay for certain expenses. That's how you pay your employees. That's how you're able to pay for ballpark improvements. And granted, you're able to pay for free agent players. So the reason that baseball wants to get back as quickly as they do is that they know they can't leave that TV money on the table. Because if that TV money gets left on the table and there's no season whatsoever, then Major League Baseball franchises take a huge beating. Why do they take a huge beating? Why do they take a beating more than football or basketball? Because there's more games. They rely on gate way more than the NFL or the NBA does. You only get eight home games in the NFL. You get 41 home games in the NBA. And the teams have TV rights contracts that equate to the amount of games. Baseball, you get 81 home games. You get 162 total games. That's a lot of money. There's a lot of money per event that gets left on the table if you don't play those games. Teams, if they get rained out one night, they can lose upwards of $500,000 in a night. Now, I don't have an exact science on that, but there's an A-ball team in a league that I used to work for, and I'm not going to give away their name because I was told this information in confidence, but this official told me that if they get rained out, they lose $125,000 a night. This is at low A, $125,000 a night. What do you think that is at the major league level? I'm guessing it's nowhere below 500000 Heck, it could be upwards of over a million for places like Dodgers Stadium, Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, Yankee Stadium, in some of the higher-drawing big markets. Now, having said all of that, I think that the biggest flaw in this plan does not come in the Cactus League in Arizona, but it comes in Florida, and it's for a variety of reasons. The first reason is geographical. You can't fly everywhere like you do in Major League Baseball. 
you can't just bus everywhere or drive everywhere like you do in Phoenix because the ballparks are not that close. So your travel is going to be pretty difficult, and a lot of guys feel like they're going to be living the minor league baseball life again. The second problem, which I think is the biggest problem, is COVID-19. And why do I say that I think that's the biggest problem? Well, the state of Florida, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, was one of the last to issue a stay-at-home order. He exempted religious gatherings from stay-at-home orders. There were people partying on the beaches in Florida when we here in California were already at a stay-at-home order for at least two weeks. It might have been longer by the time that Florida finally issued theirs. And even theirs didn't go the full length because they couldn't exempt religious gatherings, which means that you have hundreds of people gathering in congregations, and that's not social distancing. That is putting everybody's lives in danger. You come into contact with that many people at a place of worship, you're guaranteed to get people sick. The state of Florida did not take this seriously. The state of Florida gets a big, fat F for how they handled COVID-19 and how they handled the health and safety of their citizens of the state. But don't just blame the government. Blame the people, too. The people ignored it. The people didn't care. The people thought that it was not something to be taken seriously. Well, guess what? As people get sick and people die, Florida is going to end up being the hardest hit. Why? Because people weren't taking it seriously and old people weren't taking it seriously. And old people are the ones that are most susceptible to the coronavirus. So how can you play a major league season entirely in Florida when it is going to become the new epicenter of the second wave of the coronavirus infections? How can you? You have the facilities, you have the infrastructure, but can you guarantee players' safety? I say no. I say there's no chance you can guarantee players' safety if you play a full season in Florida. Who knows who they're going to come into contact with? Who knows how the virus is spreading throughout that state? The governor suppressed records about actual COVID-19 cases. We don't even know if the records coming out of there are accurate. That heat map that you see, the one that you see on the news about the relative severity of COVID-19 cases in different states, that map is red, and it's going to turn maroon at some point in the next couple of weeks. So how in your right mind can you play baseball for an entire season in Florida when you know it is going to be the worst hit place in the United States outside of New York City? And New York is starting to get it under control. You know, people were criticizing us in California for putting in a stay-at-home order as soon as we did. But guess what? We've got one of the lowest cases per 100,000 people here in San Francisco. Why? Because we got out ahead of it. And quite frankly, I don't know if Major League Baseball realizes the severity of what could happen in Florida, and they would be willing to put players in harm's way just to be able to get a season in and make that TV revenue. As bad as the Arizona idea felt, I think you're a lot safer having players in Arizona. But yet Arizona still hasn't taken the types of steps necessary to completely flatten the curve. Like, for example... They have a wide array of what they consider to be essential businesses, like golf courses. Golf courses run the economy in Arizona during the wintertime. Look, I love golf. If you know me, you know that I love to play golf. Golf is my lifeblood. Golf is my hobby. 
I moved to where I did here at the Ocean Avenue Studios because it's close to two golf courses that I play a lot. I love golf. I miss playing golf. I haven't touched a club in over a month. That pains me. The only time where I never touched a club for over a month was back when I was in college in the Midwest and it was snowing during January. And I remember my freshman year, I actually was able to play golf one February day when it was 65 degrees, and for some reason, I decided to have my clubs with me in Chicago. But in any event, we don't know the extent of what COVID-19 is going to do in Arizona as long as some of these businesses stay open like they are. Now, golf courses, they're a good way of social distancing, but if people gather around clubhouses or gather near the bars or if there are even bars still open... That puts a lot of people at risk because the math of pandemics is exponential. You see how these curves rise. You see how one can become two, can become four, can become 16, and it just multiplies and multiplies until the cases spike like those curves that you've been seeing on the news and in news reports and articles and wherever you read about the coronavirus. So who knows if Arizona is even a safe idea? But Major League Baseball is throwing ideas out there, and I think that that's all that you can ask at this point. Now, I want to play you a clip from Angels manager Joe Madden, who was on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score, Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine hosting. They do it every Saturday if you live in the Chicago area. Madden, the former manager of the Cubs, came on the show to talk about what he thought were the best courses of action for any restart of the baseball season. And here's what he said about the two plans and which he thinks is probably the better idea. As far as um, some of these models that you've seen out there, um, what has the, the, have the Angels and Artie Marino been able to fill you in on as far as some of these models that we've seen? I know it's, uh, it's caused some uh, interest and consternation as well uh, when talking about isolating players for four and a half to five months uh, in, in one, uh, one area you know, to be able to accomplish a season. What are your thoughts on some of those things that you've heard out there? Well, I mean, the only one I've really heard about, honestly, is this one, uh, the Arizona concept. And I, I really think that'd be very difficult. It goes beyond just isolation. It goes right down to purely weather. I mean, this place gets this this place gets hot, even at night in the summertime. It's over 100 degrees at night. And I, I just believe that uh, eventually guys will wear down too quickly. I, I think there will actually be a loss of interest by playing in the one spot, one location constantly, going from a ballpark back to a hotel, any kind of a, a mental and physical quarantine, I don't know that you're going to get the product you're looking for. So I, I, don't, I don't really like that particular model. Um, I think there's other things. Um, I mean, I've, I've been just like floating ideas about uh, actually incorporating dome stadiums throughout the country, um, moving, moving groups around at, uh, over a period of time. The other thing is like we're just talking about all this. I, I really just watching all this, this whole thing unfold right now, I'm going week by week. I mean, every every week I hear something new or different. You might see hear a lot of really uh, negative components, and all of a sudden it gets a little bit better next week. So I'm going week by week before I determine exactly um, what we're going to be able to do. And I know, you know, there's there's the, the pessimists out there, and everybody's going to start, um, you know, a, applying actually analytics to this situation. I just want to wait and see. I'm going a week at a time. I think um, hopefully that if this starts to to uh, roll in our favor a little bit better, that there's ways to get this season in in limited ballparks, uh, covered ballparks, that permits an actual schedule to be a, adhered to without any rainouts. You could actually consider an end date, which I think is the way to do it. You would consider the last day of the season and work yourself backward from the moment you think you can play 
and then you start dividing the games. And now the scheduling obviously is going to be difficult, and I'm not that smart, but I, I know somebody is. So I would, I would work uh, backward. You go to the end of the season, move it back to the day you think it can begin, fill up the number of games, uh, utilize covered facilities, um, et cetera. Those are the kind of things to me that would be uh, more amenable, interesting, and doable. It's the always thoughtful Joe Madden right here with us on 670 The Score and Inside the Clubhouse. That's the thing, Joe. It's like all these preparations, I'm reading them and hearing Mm -hmm. about them, all these little models with a giant grain of salt. I guess it's a huge bag of salt, but it's a a giant grain of salt about the science. But that said, like if they can be prepared, how Mm -hmm. much is, is enough baseball to feel like you got something and proved something like any kind of world series champ is going to be weird. It's all going to be different no matter what it's different. So if they could only play 30 games, if you could only play 30 games in a world cup format or world baseball classic style format, and then play a full postseason, is that worth doing to me? It is, but I wonder what you think. I think it'd be tough. Honestly. I mean, if you're, if you're going to wait that long, uh, to re-engage, I, always, I already talked about the dimmer switch as opposed to on and off. One thing you have to be really con- uh, considerate of is what happens to the, to the athlete mentally at that point when you have all this uh, downtime and you want them to ramp it up for 30 games, 30 days. Uh, what kind of product are you going to achieve right there? I, I don't know. I really don't know. That would be my concern with that. Um, I, I, I still like the idea of at least 100 games. And I like the idea of playing later into the year. I like Thanksgiving being the last game of the season. Um, I, I, I think, I don't know this for a fact, but I want to believe that's doable. Uh, I think 100 games minimum, I think you, you might be able to get up to 120 if you're able to get rolling at a specific time. I know it, it may begin with uh, nobody in the stands. That's fine. Uh, but I also believe that you could build in specific dates where you believe people can be in the stands. Uh, there's there's got to be a layered technique to this somehow. It just can't be like just jump out and start doing it this way, and it's going to be like this uh, the whole time through. So, again, complicated, absolutely interesting, no question. Uh, re-engage fans and really uh, permit us permit us to be a part of the healing process, no question. There's, there's all kinds of items attached to this right now that I think are fascinating. Of course, the biggest thing is everybody's health, no question. There's beyond all that. And I'm just saying, if we get this rolling, looking at it week by week and see how this starts to um, hopefully lighten up, and that we can see the end uh, to then try to, like I said, try to structure utilizing different time zones, facilities, and build towards an end date, uh, I think uh, we might be able to get more games than you think. So there you have it from Joe Madden. Really a nice slice of baseball heaven, understanding where his mind's at, understanding where he thinks this season could go. I like his idea of working backwards from Thanksgiving. I think that that's a really good plan because when you think about how you build a schedule out, you almost have to work backward and say this is where the season has to end. And instead of pushing the start date back, have a set end date and then be able to adjust the season based on where you're going to be able to actually start the year. I really like that idea. I feel like if you ended on Thanksgiving, like you said, having a World Series on Thanksgiving, I think that that could work. I think that's reasonable. So you start there, you work the playoffs backward from there. I like Joe Madden's idea. I think it's reasonable. I think it's understanding the situation and people's desire for baseball, but not also putting an idea out there that seems absolutely reckless to the health and safety of everybody involved. And Madden said that, you know, playing games in Arizona is really hard because of the heat. I get that. A lot of people get that. 
But all of this is going to depend on the spread of COVID-19 and where our scenarios lie come, let's just say, May 15. That's a month out from now. That gives everybody a chance to recalibrate their sensors and evaluate the situation and make adjustments based on where the CDC says we should be at in terms of social distancing, what our guidelines are, and how we can abide by them in the safest manner possible. That's simply the long and short of it. We have to take health and safety into all of this first, but at least this seems like a realistic baseline to go off of. Again, I think it's all going to be dependent upon what happens in Florida with COVID-19. If COVID-19 becomes uncontrollable relative to the rest of the population, then this plan gets completely scrapped and you have to do some modified version of the Arizona plan. Or maybe you're able to play games in front of empty stadiums in your home cities. I think that's possible, at least for the regular season. Maybe not for the playoffs because of the weather, but you truly never know until you work through it and see where the pros and the cons of the plan lie. If the pros outweigh the cons, then you probably can list it as a possibility. But again, we're not doctors. We know nothing relative to the health experts of this country, and we cannot assume that one thing is right over another just because we have a wish to have sports back. Everybody wants sports back. Sports are our lifeblood, but health and safety come first. The health and safety of this nation are going to be what brings it back from this tragedy that has been thrust upon us. And I truly believe that once we're healthy, once we're safe, and sports can return, they're going to be more popular than ever before. Thanks for listening to another edition of MLB Morning Coffee. Again, make sure you write a rating, leave a review, and subscribe. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow with Rangers reliever Ian Chabot. We'll catch you in the AM.